What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Arnold Teliga Arda. And I'm missing no days off, Fred Rosser. And this is episode 61 of Pro and Bro Wrestling. Uh, I always say representation is so important. And I've been chasing our last guest since uh, Pride Month uh, in June. And finally, better late than ever, uh, he's a model, professional wrestler, debuting on the independent wrestling scene in 2013. Uh, he's making moves, making moves, and I'm sure he's trying to make million dollar moves. Uh, Anthony Bowens, thank you for joining us on Pro and Bro Wrestling. I always say don't die with the story and you tell it. Love it. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry it took so long. It's all good, man. It's all good. Anthony, you're such a well-rounded performer, man. Like Fred said, you're a model, actor, um, pro wrestler, and I can't even imagine how you juggle all those things, but I kind of want to know a little bit of your past, you know, take it back from the start. So how was, how was your childhood like, and were you always into wrestling growing up? My childhood was fantastic. I was very lucky. My parents are fantastic parents, and I always, Mike, uh, my boyfriend tends to yell at me because I always bring up my childhood because I love it so much. Um, so in that regard, I was very, um, very, very lucky, very blessed. And yes, I was a, a wrestling fan growing up. Um, my first memory of it that I remember would be in 97 when the Starcade vignettes for Hogan and Sting came on and I was just hooked. Apparently, I, um, my, my first actual, I guess, wrestling uh, vibe was with my dad. He's a, he was a wrestling fan since the 60s. And he said, when I was about two, I was sitting on his lap watching wrestling. And I think Hogan was like hulking up or something. And he, but he turned to his left and he just felt the fist go across his face. <laughs> so yeah. I wait, him in the uh, face was too. Wait, Anthony, it's so funny you said that. Arnold, I think Sean Bennett said that's when he had kind of got hooked. Uh, that sting moment in WCW. I think that's when he got hooked into wrestling as well. Yeah, that was a big deal. And then uh, right afterwards, I got the uh, the vibrating WCW figures. I had it too. <laughs> <laughs> My dad, uh, I remember I came home from school and he was like, oh, Aunt, I got these Barbie dolls for your mom. Go down in the trunk and get them. I was like, I don't want to get those stupid Barbie dolls. He's like, no, go get them for your mother. And I went down there and opened up the trunk and it was the WCW figures he had surprised uh -huh. me. Like, oh, after that was a wrap. It was like wrestling 24-7. Were your parents super supportive with you watching wrestling growing up? Did they watch it with you? Yes. Yeah, so they're very, they, they encourage anything I was into, whether it was Power Rangers or Barney before that. <laughs> uh, when I got into wrestling, they were all for it. At first, they didn't let me watch WWE because I think it was the beginning of the Attitude Era. Um, <laughs> but I remember can't, I, come, bleh, I came home from school and there was a WrestleMania 14 VHS on the on the uh, table, and that was the first show I had watched in full. And from then, I was kind of going back and forth between WCW and uh, WWF, and my dad would watch it. Um, my mom got into it. She was a huge Mark Henry fan. Um, even my aunt, too. So, yeah, we, they, all, they all supported me, took me to shows, everything. So you watching wrestling as a kid, did you know down the line, like, all right, this is, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life? Or was it just, just entertainment for you at the time? It was entertainment and also something that I would have liked to have done, but at the time I was super scrawny. Um, I knew I was athletic, but I didn't really know that I could become one at the time. Um, so then baseball kind of took over my life for 11 years. And then once, once I stopped playing in college, I had this gap of like five to six hours a day where I was just so used to being on the field or training or doing something, I was losing my mind. So I was trying to figure out what I could do to replace that time. 
And um, right before, I forgot what hurricane it was, Floyd, or not Floyd, that was 98, hurricane, um, there was a hurricane. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it delayed my friends from moving back to, to college. And we ended up making this, this silly wrestling video, um, this kind of series between the Black Mamba versus the Bulge. My buddy would stuff socks in his pants. With <laughs> 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 a, a macho man kind of accent thing and I'm the bulge and we create the storyline I, I stole his girlfriend and back and forth and it, it kind of caught on locally um and the feedback I was I would get is you know you kind of look like you, you've trained a little bit you look like a pro wrestler and that was kind of the first seed where I was like maybe this is something uh that I can do I played division one baseball and my dad never forced me to do anything. But the one thing he forced me to do was go to the weight room and I hated it at first, but I'm thankful he did that um, for obvious reasons. And so I, I kind of progressed through high school. And then once I hit college and, and they kind of taught you how to train uh, more functionally and train yeah. smarter, um, I kind of progressed from there. That's awesome, man. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Uh, Santino Morello. Uh, that name uh, rings a bell to me because he is so funny, so <laughs> funny. I've been able to share the locker room on tour with them. When I say San Santino Morella, uh, what comes to your mind? Santino is responsible for starting my wrestling career. And he's an overall great guy. He's funny, too. I had the pleasure of interacting with him a couple of times um, in the last Did he years. spot you? Did he spot you at Signature? Is that the gym that you went to? So what happened was I found out that you guys were going to be in the area and they go to Signature Fitness whenever, oops, I probably shouldn't have said that, but um, <laughs> they go no, there no, no, that's um, okay. when they're in the area. So I, I called and sick to all my professors and I was like, I'm going to go take pictures with everyone. So I was just meeting everyone. And then the la literally the last person that I saw was Santino and I wasn't going to bother him because I was trying to be respectful and he was doing abs, but I was like, I'm never going to see this guy again, probably. Yeah. I'm going to go take the photo. So I took it. And as I was walking away, he stayed in gimmick, by the way, with the accent, which was pretty. No funny. way. Yeah. <laughs> he kept it. <laughs> um, he was like, you look like a pro wrestler. Have you ever thought about becoming one? And I was like, uh, sure. Yeah. And then he pulled out his phone and gave me the number to Pat Buck. And wow. two weeks later, I began training. This year has been so crazy, right? With, um, you know, with the pandemic and wrestling being on hold, a lot of shows being canceled. How has that affected you? Um, so I was trying not to go nuts for six months. Everything's starting to come back a little bit in terms of uh, independent wrestling shows. You know, WrestlePro, we've had uh, two shows, and then they just had the Alaska Loop. Uh, and then a couple more shows coming up, and then a few more opportunities that lie ahead once other companies start to find, I guess, more venues to safely run. So at this point, I don't I want to say we're returning back to normal, but it looks like we can at least kind of start getting back into gear somewhat. You've had so many experiences in your young, young career. It's only been seven years now, right? Since 2013, if I got my math right. <laughs> I suck at math, man. Um, but yeah, man, you've done heavy things. Like you've done Impact Wrestling, you've done NXT, you tried out for WWE. Did you say your tryout was 2015 at the time? Yeah, my I had two technically in 2015. I was I was brought down to the Arnold Classic where they did the first the live tryout, which was a very interesting and um, scary, scary experience. Um, and then I did well enough there that they invited me down to the PC and I did a three day 
uh, tryout there, which I think went very well physically. And then it kind of bombed once I got into the promo room. (laughs) 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 I went up there and I cut a promo that I, I thought that they wanted to hear. And then Coach Regal was like, he threw a curveball at me and asked me to do a different kind of promo. And I just bombed. I think I made fun of Coach Bloom's voice or something. It was bad. Oh, they probably wow. have that footage. I pray to God it never sees the light of day because it's embarrassing. Um, but I think that kind of that kind of killed me. But that that whole weekend really it set up my future because um, you know, I they emailed me a couple months later with the with the email saying that there wasn't a spot for me which was kind of devastating at the moment. And then two hours later, my dad came downstairs and said that we lost my grandmother. So oh. that was kind of the first time in life it kind of kicked me in the nuts per se, where I felt like I had to really, really fight back. And from the feedback that they gave me and from that experience itself, um, it kind of drove me to you know, do anything I can to succeed. You know, Anthony, you talk about the tryouts, you know, I've had my fair share of tryouts and before coming out, you know, I was never confident on the mic. The reason being was because like, you know, there wasn't someone like me, you know, so I would always cut my promos like this to deepen my voice to sound more masculine. Mm -hmm. One, I would do that because to sound masculine. Two, I would do that because I was a big Shane Douglas mark. So I just wanted... (laughs) had that raspiness you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. that was one thing that I struggled with you know the most because I just wasn't comfortable with myself um when I talk about representation earlier uh how important is it to you uh that journey ultimately coming out like take us on that ride that journey of coming out and what made you come out so and I'd been toiling back and forth and struggling with, you know, my sexuality for, for years at that point. I had told my my best friends and my parents. So I had people that I can, you know, go to and people that can support me, but still, it, you know, that has that, there's just that burden that lays on you where you have to continuously lie or change yes, stories yes. from, you know, he to she, all, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, and I often wondered when was going to be the day that I would say something, but then wrestling came along and then... Mm-hmm put another burden on me because now it's not only, you know, I have to face this judgment from peers and stuff. Now I have fans and I have coworkers that where maybe I have to defend myself in the ring if they don't like who I am. So all that stuff played into this, this fear that I continuously had. And, um, you know, as time went on and then I met my boyfriend, Michael in 2016, and I told him, which was unfair to him. And I, you know, I, I'm very appreciative to this day uh, that he put up with it, where I told him, like, I, listen, I, I can't say anything about us right now. I would love to, but I just can't. I don't feel ready. I promise you it won't be forever, but just please bear with me, um, which he did. And as the six months went on, you know, he met my friends, he met my family, and I just kind of saw how normal I actually am in comparison to way I, the way I thought things were and how much support that I had. And then from, pro, from a pro wrestling perspective, I have the opportunity and a unique platform to entertain and create awareness and create visibility um, just by being myself and doing something that I love. So all these, the combination of those things kind of came to fruition at the end of uh, December. And I didn't tell Mike, I didn't tell my parents, I didn't tell anyone, I wanted the decision to be mine. And um, I wanted to start the new year fresh, so I, I came out. 
That's awesome. You know, it, I mean, so awesome, Arnold. Uh, uh, with, you know, with Anthony, like, on social media, I'm always, I, I'm always flirting with him. I'm always uh, uh, comments to him and his boyfriend. I always cheer, always, always since day one, I cheer for same-sex couples that are able to hold hands and walk down the street and anything cute on social media, I'm always loving it. You know, it's easier always to love than it is to hate, you know? So if I'm walking in West Hollywood and I see a couple holding hands, I'm not the type of person because I'm an introvert. I'm quiet, but I will smile. You know, I will smile. I will acknowledge that it's a beautiful thing, you know? So um, I'm just so happy to, you know, see you guys with your YouTube. But tell us about your YouTube that you guys have created. So yeah, so our YouTube channel, which is Michael and Anthony, uh, which now kind of have has a direction finally, which is, I think, comedy. Um, so as after it came out, it was basically because we had created a video. Michael always wanted to have a YouTube channel. We just started that. And he asked me to do a video called The Laughing Challenge, which at the time I was still in the closet. So I was like, eh, I don't know if that's happening. And then I saw how heartbroken he was. So I was like, no, screw it. No one's going to see it. We'll record this thing. You have like two subscribers, whatever. We'll, we'll post it. So that was the video that kind of took off once I came out. And then we made another video, which we thought, um, wasn't going to be anything. It was a video about how we met and we posted that. And all of a sudden LGBT media outlets picked up on it. And then it was in the Huffington post and it was just all over the place. It went viral. And that was kind of the first, I guess, step where we realized that we can create something out of this channel. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to place emphasis on us as a couple, our chemistry, as opposed to, I guess, more, more clickbaity or sexual kind of things. Not that there's anything yes. wrong with it. We just want it to be different and yes. shine a light in a different area. And we were doing lifestyle vlogs. We kind of towed the line of doing stuff we didn't want to do with like pranks and challenges. And then one, t uh, one day earlier this year, Michael was like, why don't we do a Love is Blind parody? Because that was kind of trendy at the time on Netflix. And um, I was like, sure. Because at that point, we were just clamoring to find a specific... I guess, direction to go in. And we did it. Nothing happened for two weeks. And next thing you know, the video is over a million views. So we're like, I think we're on to something here. And um, we made a trilogy out of that. And then we just kept them going. 90 Day Fiance, Kardashians, Britney Spears. And now our parodies have like over five, six million views. Um, a lot of the cast members have seen it and reached out to us and, and said how funny it was. So um, it's pretty cool. And the best part is, is a lot of what those videos are was just us at like 2 a.m. when we're in the kitchen and we're like trying to find food and we'll just spontaneously go into an improv scene and just be characters. And then by the time we're done with it, we're like, damn, that was so funny. I wish we would have like <laughs> recorded that. So a lot of those ideas are coming from like those like random improv sessions that we have. Yeah, I feel like the best ideas always comes in a random times because I, well, I just want to say at first, I'm subscribed to your channel. I think it's really great. You can tell by watching some of these skits, just how much fun you guys are having. And like both you and Michael are just so ph phenomenal comedian actors. It's hilarious. <laughs> I, I feel like my favorite of all time is the... the <laughs> 
<laughs> the Mighty Morphin Karen Power Rangers. I actually just showed it to my wife earlier. Like she loved it. The whole like the Karen Zord and everything. <laughs> that was great, man. And um, I think you guys really found your thing. This is this is like a brand that you guys are already. It's already successful, and I think it can just become to grow into something really big. And it can also be a full time career aside with all your other things, you know. And you can tell how much fun you're having with it. And um, the one thing that I do want to comment on is how bad I felt during your um, the prank videos when he pretended to cheat on you. Oh yes, <laughs> I had anxiety watching that. I had because I was so scared. Like I didn't know how you were gonna react. And as soon as you re reacted, it was just this moment of like, like you can tell how, like how heartbroken you were. And I was like, oh no, I can't watch this because you weren't even you weren't even like crazy mad. You were just like, huh. Like, yeah, I don't really get mad. I try to step back and logically think about situations because I always saw how um, either couples or just friendships end, end up just kind of splitting over people just reacting in the moment and saying things they don't mean. So anytime yes. something crazy happens, I try to just like, <laughs> what's happening? Should I be reacting this way? Why am I reacting this way? Or am I wrong? That kind of stuff. So um yeah, you can't. Arnold, Arnold, Arnold. I was supposed to I was supposed to be a part of that parody, man. Oh yeah, I, I missed out. about that. I missed what? out. I don't know what happened, schedules. I don't, I don't know. Wait, so how were you supposed to be a part of it? What was your role? Well, I forget why why I was in New Jersey. We all met at a Starbucks and I um we talked about the idea and then I forget what happened. What happened was at first we wanted to just make a video where Fred and I can like beat each other up. So we were trying to figure out ways to get Fred involved and it ended up not working out. And then a couple months go by and I walk into the room and then that happens. I completely forgot that he was even planning of doing something. <laughs> well, aside from your successful YouTube career, you also have an acting career as well. You know, you've, um, you've done amazing commercials with Lunchables. You also done a Super Bowl commercial and not a lot of people can say that. Tell us more a little bit about that. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm with an agency called BMG in uh, New York City, a wonderful agency that helps uh, me out in the whole actor and like modeling world, and um, I was fortunate enough to do commercials like Lunchables, uh, Domino's, the NFL commercial, Optimal Online, and it's just kind of a sidebar to um, both worlds at acting and, and pro wrestling and trying to combine them together to make myself a more well-rounded performer because you know the advice that I got coming out of that tryout was um, from the, the the executive was you had four of the five things we need to you know make you a superstar but it just seems like you're you're lacking the um, I guess the personality or something which I attest to like what Fred said I've been know, there when you're, when you're in the closet there's just this wall that you happen to have yep. up and yeah it just stays up and it, it blocks you from being, I guess, your true self. The second you knock that that wall down, you just feel so free to, to just, it, it helps your performance so much. I can't describe it. Sure. But um, coming out of that, that was the advice they had given me. So I was like, all right, well, one, I'm going to prove them wrong. And two, I'm going to do everything that I can to make myself better. So that's when um, I ended up uh, signing with the agency. I was taking acting classes. I was doing improv classes. I was doing sketch comedy shows. Anything I could do that would get me more comfortable in front of a camera, um, trying to do more media because like even interviews like this, yes. you know, I can ramble on and on and on now. Back yes. then I'd be kind of, you know, reserved about everything. Sure. Same here. Um, 
so I was trying to do everything that I could to uh, just make myself a better performer and it ended up happening quickly on a very high level. You know, Anthony, if nothing, uh, if you did nothing in the entertainment business, including wrestling, what would you be? Because for me, it was, I was number three on the fire department for Irvington Township, you know? So <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't get that tryout and, um, and, and earn my contract May 4th, 2009, then I, that I probably would have been a firefighter, you know? So like, what about you? So it probably, I would have pursued uh, professional baseball a lot longer. Um, either that, or I would pursue my degree, which is TV and radio production. I was an oh. intern at ESPN New York for like Stephen A. Smith. And then I worked two or three years at Major League Baseball as like a logger editor type. So I'd probably be doing some sort of editing for, you know, MLB Tonight or something. That's great. This is a perfect episode as always, because it's like sitting under the learning tree because I get to learn, you know. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Chris Van Vliet, who's very successful in YouTube. You are making moves yourself, man. So I'm very, very extremely proud of you. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> and what advice do you have to um, someone who's uh, going through what you went through, you know, like as a kid or as a teenager who has no idea on how to come out or if they should come out? Uh, what would you say to them? I think that's always the hardest part in, in all of this because, yeah. you know, I can give the advice of, you know, be yourself and, you know, come out and everything will be okay. But I have to sit and realize that that advice can apply to me because, you know, I live in liberal East Coast, New York City. What if this person happens to live in a country where being um, LGBTQ is illegal? Or what if they're in a part of the country where they don't or they wouldn't feel as comfortable being themselves out in public because it would put them in danger. So I always have to figure out what's the best advice to give. And it usually just ends up being like, you'll know when the time is right. Um, you know, don't do anything for anyone else. Do it for yourself. You'll feel it. You'll know it. Um, at least for me, it'll make you so much happier. I know sometimes it's all dependent on your environment, what you got going on around you, but be confident in your decision because you'll know when it's time. And you're not alone because there's a lot of us out there who are fighting to, you know, to make the world a better place for you. Yeah. And Anthony, it's like both of our stories are very similar. Like you came out to your family first before you publicly, before you publicly came out, you know, I think having that support system of the family is so important because, uh, <clears throat> Uh, your family will always be your family. Your friends might not always be your friends, you know? So just having that support system, the sky's the limit for the both of us, you know? It's so important. I agree. Fred, did you want to hit him with the, with the 21 fast round questions? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, are you ready to play? Yeah, you better drink that water, Anthony. <laughs> you, just, you just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> you got it. Let's do it. All right, time is money, baby. What's your favorite thing in your closet right now? My Power Rangers toys. What really gets on your nerves? Um, people making a big deal out of small, petty things. That's good. Uh, what job would you be absolutely horrible at? A basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible at basketball. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite movie ever? Ooh... That's really hard to say because uh, Inception. Describe yourself as a teenager in three words. Um, shy, fragile, 
and <laughs> uh, I don't know. This this is a hard one. Shy, fragile, and oh no, I was a happy. I was a happy guy despite all the stuff going on. I had a lot of stuff to be happy about. Like I said, with my childhood and and friendships and uh, sports, I have so many good memories. So happy. Let's do that. Good. If you had the world's attention for thirty seconds, what would you say? Vote. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that, that's good. That's good. We're just What's your biggest vote. Huh? And we'll just say vote over yeah, and over and over for 30 seconds. <laughs> Love that. What What's your biggest pet peeve? Um Oh yeah, the 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 making big deals out of out of small petty things like oh, you know, you, you left the something on the counter okay well the world's not gonna end pick it up and put it away and i won't do it again that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh white chocolate or milk chocolate milk chocolate all the way same uh if you could have any person over from any decade uh who would it be three people three uh 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 barry bonds because he's my favorite baseball player ever i would also have Shawn Michaels, because I would like to pick his brain over and over and over again, <laughs> every single detail out of his skull. And who's a good third one? I would also pick another baseball player, JT Snow, because he was also uh, a big contributor to a lot of cool memories as a San Francisco Giants fan. That's a cop out because I, I didn't want to take much time to think of a third one. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite swear word? Shit. That's a lot of people's favorite swear word. What's on your cell phone playlist right now? I've been listening to a lot of Silver Sun pickups and my buddy, uh, I, I wrestled out in Defy Wrestling in Seattle back in February. And um, I met a dude who was, who was actually driving us to and from the venue. And he, he put on some music and he's like, yeah, I got this band and I've heard it before. And people are like, yeah, I got a band. The music's good. And I played and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know about that. But he turned it on and this shit was amazing. And it's called, his band's called Avoid. Um, he just got picked up by uh, the, the NASCAR video game and he's like top 10 on Octane. So really cool stuff. I'm listening to him a lot. Yeah. Sorry, I ramble. No, no, man. No, shit. If you, uh, <laughs> if your house is on fire, what are two things you would run back to get? My family, if they're in there, um, I would go back and get my, uh, my childhood teddy bear, Coco, that my parents gave me. I keep it around and probably money. Uh, is your belly button inner or outer? <laughs> it's an innie. <laughs> Rich friend or loyal friend? Loyal iPhone or Android? iPhone. I was Android for years. People made fun of me. I switched over. I can never go back. Uh, which, what was your first job? Bar back at the Franklin Steakhouse. Mm. Oh, okay. Wait, the Franklin Steakhouse, where is that at? In Nutley. Oh, in Nutley? Okay. Yeah, behind the Nutley Diner. Uh, what's your favorite TV show? Uh, Three's Company? That's my favorite sitcom. <laughs> Uh, best gift ever received? Um, I'd have to really think, but the first one that come, came to mind was my buddy Nico, who played the bulge in the, the our little YouTube series. <laughs> uh, I've had a long history of having terrible secret Santa gifts, like 
terrible. Never had a good one since I was a child. And um, he got me for Christmas last year. So he ended up having a custom title made of the little federation that we had. And he gave that to me as a gift, as like a commemoration of us doing that and then turning it into eight years of pro wrestling. Uh, if you had one superpower, uh, what's that? It was a very thoughtful gift. Yeah. Yeah. If you had one superpower, what would it be? Mm, I'd like to fly. I think it's so cool. I, I, I like Spider-Man. I like Iron Man probably because they're both, you know, flying through the air. Never liked Superman though, oddly. And last but not least, toilet paper over or under? Over. Over. Yeah. Yeah, uh, over. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't get a chance to ask you, um, moving forward, is there a dream match that you haven't had yet? Like, um, who, who do you want to work? I mean, there's so much talent out there. Uh, so many people. Obviously, if I ever had the chance to get in the ring with Sean, I would have loved to have done that. Yeah. Uh, Jericho, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, all those guys. Really, anyone. Anyone that could just go, I want to be in yeah. the room with to learn from and just see how I fare and uh, what kind of magic we can create. You, we haven't wrestled yet. Yeah, well, because you keep ducking and dodging me. Don't you start now, you know? <laughs> we need to stay on track. But if you want to go off track, we can go off track. But, well, listen, you know, you've been hiding you in L.A. Why don't you get your ass over back to the East Coast and we'll fight? No, no, no. I'm making moves out here. If And I'm the veteran here, too. September 11th, 2002. I've been doing this 18 years, you know? So you got to come over to me. Don't get me started now. <laughs> you know, Anthony, you... You talked about me ducking and dodging you recently. I think maybe before the pandemic, you did some work for Defy Wrestling. How'd you get that opportunity? So Defy was on a list of places that I've been trying to get out to for uh, a while because I've been kind of lacking on, on the West Coast side of things. But it's fantastic. The company is so well run. The fans are are, are fantastic and um, probably one of the best crowds I've ever wrestled in front of. Yes. And, um, yes. We had a nice little, I guess, trade with uh, the Battle Club Pro franchise champion here on the East Coast. So we did a little bit of a talent exchange where I went out there and defended it against one of their guys. And it was a fantastic experience. And I can't wait to go back. Seattle's crazy. Oh, yeah. I was there right before the pandemic, man. So, like, man, that's definitely a bucket list organization that I'd love to work with, man. You got to put it, you, you got to put in a good word for me, but. <laughs> Honestly, you got to worry about yourself. You're going to be turning 30, 30 this year. Uh, so, um, I got to, um, I got to ask you before we take it home. Any injuries? How do you feel physically? Do you feel physically you can put in another 20 years? As of now, yes, thankfully. Um, I've been relatively lucky uh, with, I guess, the the injuries that I've suffered. That um, probably the longest I've been out at most was two maybe three months um over the course of the last eight years so i've so far done a good job of taking care of myself and been trying to get myself back into into ring shape after quarantine because the first one back was brutal um i didn't know if i was gonna make it through but uh I, i've been hitting it hard and i just went 30 last week with uh, tj crawford who uh who i think you're going to be hearing about a lot more soon on the independent scenes 30 minute draw um he's probably somebody i think i can go an hour with so i i'm, I'm really excited you uh you did that in union right yes in union 
Oh, that's good, man. Well, like my advice to you, like anyone that I've been wrestling longer than, again, wrestling's all ice cream, just different flavors, just very important to just take care of your body, man. Your body's what makes you money. During this whole pandemic, I've been working on my mobility and uh, high volume training, no weights, none of that stuff. So I've been trying to just, uh, you know, make sure everything's fine tuned. Uh, I do the agility ladder a lot because I always say slow feet don't eat. So yeah, just, just, just take care of your body, man. Absolutely. You have a plan of where you want to go, whether it's WWE, AEW, New Japan, Impact. Is there a, is there a place that you want to call home down the line? Oh, absolutely. I just, you know, I want to wrestle for as long as I can, as long as my body will allow me. I want to do it at the highest level possible. Um, I just want to make a living doing it. So I'll go wherever, uh, whoever will have me. NXT, AEW, <laughs> uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, I will go. Uh, wherever I just want to wrestle. I mean, I don't think it's any secret lately that I've been gutting for AEW. I was um, uh, top three in the search for Spears earlier this year, but uh, then the pandemic thing kind of derailed that that whole situation. So hopefully, I get an opportunity in the future to uh, to you know get back with them. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you know Anthony. Really, really, thank you for finally joining us. We finally got it together on pro and bro wrestling where i always say don't die with the story and you tell it um thank you for joining us you know no thank you for having me this was fun appreciate it man and you know best of luck to everything that you do with the youtube channel and the acting and all you know all the other things you're juggling you're just you're just amazing man thank you all right and that's enough arnold and uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm still gonna be, I'm still gonna be flirting with you on social media. I'm still gonna continue to do that because that's what I do. Because uh, we got to put smiles on people's faces, baby. Am <laughs> <Damn> right? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Anthony. Thank All you, right. guys. And a great, great episode with Anthony Bowens. It's so crazy how much stuff he's juggling right now, especially with the pandemic. And he's killing it, man. He's killing it on YouTube. He's killing it with his modeling career and his, you know, his acting career and wrestling, man. That, that guy's got it going on. He's doing all this stuff and he's continuing to duck and dodge me. But wow. sooner or later after this podcast, because make sure you clip this soundbite and make it a soundbite. And uh, I'm going to be promote, promoting the hell out of it, you know, that he's ducking and dodging me. But pretty soon... Pretty soon him and I are gonna go one-on-one -on -one for the Blocked Hate Legacy Championship because you are looking at a living, breathing legacy right here, okay? I'm a trailblazer. Excellent episode. Another episode of Sitting Under the Learning Tree. Do you got anything else on the menu for us? Anything that's going on? Retribution debuted. Yeah. Like people are crapping on that. Like, oh, it drives me crazy. You can't, you can't please it. You can't please a fans. Yeah, you can't you can't please everyone. I personally like their outfits, man. That whole like apocalypse, end of the world mask they got going on. I like it, but I don't know the longevity of it, if it's gonna stick or not, because you can already tell they're having a hard time wrestling with it. You know, like with the mask and everything, but it looks cool. It definitely looks cool, but I don't know if you can make that a thing for a really long time. Just like Roman Reigns uh, uh, apparently going to be shirtless. I mean, what's going on with that? Yeah. Where did you hear that? I'm, I'm hearing that he that he's going to be going uh, the next pay per view. What what is it? Knight of Champions. Class he's of Champions. Going, Class of the Champions. That's the Knight of Champions. Apparently, he's going to be debuting no 
debuting no shirt on. Well, I think that's going to be a phenomenal night, man. I think SmackDown is doing something really, really special. As great as Raw is, man, SmackDown storylines right now are just so hot, especially who would have thought, right, in 2020, you would see Jey Uso in a Universal Championship mm -hmm. match? That's a, that's a blessing in disguise, man. As, as crappy as it is with uh, Jonathan being injured, you know, something good came out of it. And I'm sure, like, um, John is super proud of his family, of, Jay, uh, of Josh, you know, getting this opportunity. And it's, you know, to main event a pay-per-view for a world championship and you've been a tag team wrestler all your life, that's special. And I think... You know, Josh, you know, he's definitely got the mic skills. He's definitely got the in-ring work. He's definitely got the, you know, the charisma. He, he, he can pull it off. Any, any one of the Usos can fill in the spot and do a phenomenal job. And I just love the story being told because it's so genuine. It's not forced. And I think they're playing it off really well because, you know, sometimes um, when someone turns heel automatically, they just become like mean to everyone. Roman Reigns bring a sense of, um, like the human side of it, you know, when he first passed uh, Jay backstage, it wasn't automatically like, oh, like, I don't like you now because I'm a heel. It was still that family love, but still brought up the fact that like, hey, man, like, you okay? Like, what are you doing, Paul Heyman? It was really subtle and they treated it like it was real life. And I think that's amazing. And all three of them, Paul Heyman, Roman and Jay are, are killing it with this. Well, hopefully after Night of Champions, uh, right? Is it Night of Champions? Clash. Clash of Champions. Okay. Clash of Champions. You know, I'm New Japan, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we can be calling uh, Josh, one, two, three, oos, one, two, three, oos. Like the one, two, three kid. Uh, when wow. He upset, when he upset Razor Ramon. Yeah. They got to do it. One, two, three, oos, man. One, two, three, wow. oos. Get that. Give him that title, man. Give him that title. Let him beat him, and then let him, let him take his brother, like take his cousin out, take his oos out, like put him on the injured list until other oos comes back, you know. And yes. then w whatever yes. happens, happens. But give him that opportunity, that one night to uh, win, to win the championship. I think this this is really smart because you know SummerSlam, Roman Reigns made his big impact, and you know he came back as heel. And, you know, I think the time between SummerSlam and this pay-per-view, it's a time to get the audience um, a time to soak in the fact that he's heel. You know, like, okay, he's turning heel. He's with Paul Heyman now. But I think at Clash of Champions is when he, like, when it officially starts. You know what I mean? Like, they're really going to see what Roman Reigns is made of and how savage he can be and just how brutally um, violent he can be. And I think that's going to be awesome. And I also have to give kudos, man, to Sasha Banks and Bailey for their storyline because everyone, everyone was expecting it. Everyone knew that it was coming, but everyone thought that it was going to be Sasha. And for Bailey to turn on her on a random SmackDown when no one, you know, when no one uh, saw it coming, that was that was beautiful. And the way that it was done was perfect. Uh, because they were just coming out of the ring and they were kind of like in the, you know, where you say it's like the hardest part of the ring, in the um, in the apron area and automatically out of nowhere, Sasha got attacked viciously and it was just well done. It's been so long that WWE had long-term booking and this paid off really, really well. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to check it out, but anything those girls do, they always kill it. Huge fans of them, huge fans of the block tape movement. So 
yeah, hats off to them. Yeah, yeah, man. And for the first time on Raw, uh, Dominic Mysterio wrestled without without being under like Ray's shadow. He was just in a random tag team match for the Raw Tag Team Championship, which was kind of refreshing because it kind of gave gave us a glimpse of Dominic's future when Ray, you know, steps out and let him just do his thing alone. And I, you know, I, he are he's already proven that he's a great in ring worker, and I think you know. Uh, pushing it, pushing him as a tag team, it's, it's a great way to go. Man, I just hope, uh, I hope before Ray retires, they run, they run with him ultimately turning on his dad because that's a story that we we've got to see. Because me seeing that will remind me of when Owen Hart turned on his brother and stuff like that, and he became very like very bitter, very angry Owen Hart. So I feel Dominic can pull pull that off and have a father versus son match. I think that can work too, man. But what do you think about down the line, they do a storyline of Dominic um, having to earn the mask since he's not wearing a mask right now. Can that be a thing? Do you, do you do want you him to wear a mask or no? You and I would not get along in the writer's room. We we had Matt McCarthy on last week. Uh, if all three of us were in the room, I, I would disagree with you on that. I would just say, run with my storyline. Let um, let uh, Dominic uh, do his baby face run. Uh, you know, maybe win a tag team championship. Then he gets a little full of himself. He starts to mirror... Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty where like, you know, stuff is just happening where Dominic's got this, but Ray's always in his face and like, uh, you're doing great, son, but his demeanor's starting to change, you know? So you remember when Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty? Have a moment like that, you know? And then turn into like Owen Hart, the, you know, just spoiled, yeah. spoiled kid, you know? So. No, listen, I'm 100% with you on that. Like, I want, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying down the line, like down the line after this is all being paid off, do you think Dominic should start wrestling with a mask? Like, that, like as, that, as a different story? Definitely, definitely. Right? Definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, why not? I think that's what fans were automatically expecting, right? When they thought well, that Dom was I wrestling. I you on that because now I'm looking at dollar signs. If Dominic is wearing masks, then that's just more merchandise for him in yeah. WWE. So that's where the, the, the initial disagreement that I just had with you, that's when I would have to say, oh, I'm looking at dollars and cents. Now we all work <laughs> together now. This has been a great episode, such a fun one as always. Thank you guys so much for watching. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, make sure you guys subscribe and leave us a comment. And if also listening to us on iTunes, make sure you guys give us a five-star rating and let us know what we could do better. And until then, block the hate, salute the great Arnold Telegaarte, baby.